Now it is time for very serious football talk with a man who hates money almost as much as he hates the idea of a healthy sleep schedule. You will find Sedekaiser everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful husband. So that's that's important. The man who has so many children, his wife figured he wouldn't even notice if she bought a few chickens and ducks for the backyard. We should have an episode where we just have my children appear on the show I would in love ascending that. order. So we'll do like a minute of Lucas, then two minutes of Isabel, then three minutes of... Co- Man, I have a lot of kids. The man who does all of this while being a lawyer in a state that has snow all 12 months of the year. Until it freezes... I'm okay. Yeah. I actually felt very at home driving through southern Iowa. It was snow everywhere, and people were slowing down to like 40. It was adorable. I was driving slowly, but I literally was hanging my head out the window screaming, and that was disconcerting. It's Seth Kaiser of the Chief in the North newsletter, The Athletic, and the Times Hours podcast on Almost Entirely Sports. Don't even worry about the fact that very, very little may have changed surrounding the Kansas City Chiefs in this last week or so. It's Tuesday. We have Seth Kaiser. Why are you people never content? It's a Seth Kaiser Tuesday. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Real MN Chiefs Fan. Check out the newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Time's ours on The Athletic. Seth, it's uh, it's good to talk to you even whenever we, you know, are not even we have now exited the portion of the off season which is Seth you just finished your Isaiah Pacheco film review and dot 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 yeah there's not a lot to talk about let's be real (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited um hopefully by this time next week I do have my next big project in mind there's there's a bunch of things I want to write about and doing the mailbag reminded me of some of those but my next big project because we've got a little over a month before training camp starts and then all anyone's going to want to talk about is training camp so I've got a month to get in some good film reviews from 2021, right? Yeah. And Trey, so I already did Legereus Sneed, which is a big one. And I, I can't remember if you and I had a chance to talk about a lot of that. You know what? I, I think six no, games of his. So I'm sorry to cut you off. You're 100% right. We talked about that some on Times Ours, and I, I, I would love to talk about Sneed more here today. Yeah. So all of our audio is... inhabitants just sort of, it bleeds into one another. I know you understand this because you're also doing it. Yes. That's kind of how that goes. Um. Is. And so, yeah, let, we could talk about Legereus Sneed. And this is like the time of the year where I like to think, and, and just because I like to think it doesn't mean it's, it's true, but I'd like to think that I'm able to differentiate myself from maybe some, you know, there's tons of content providers out there. My hope is that this is a time where, well, hey, this is where I go back to look and answer the questions you have. How did this player actually perform last year, right? Mm-hmm. We, do, we do it earlier for, like, I did it earlier for Orlando Brown and Traverius Ward because, you know, franchise tag, entering free agency, that kind of stuff. But now with guys that we know are going to be Chiefs next year, like, um, you know, how did LeJarius Sneed really play last year? What did it look like charting every snap of multiple games? I'm going to do the same thing with Trey Smith next. Because I'm curious about him, um, because I've got some opinions that I want to see are act whether they're accurate or not, um, and then I, I want to look at Jody Fortson, of course, because of course. that's something I need to do. I still need to condense all of the charting I did for Patrick Mahomes in 2021 into a single article and say this is what his averages were this year. This is what it looked like, which I'm excited about because this was the year that, you know, Mahomes, you know, he took a step back or whatever, right? I might need to write another article on Chris Jones, which I I just, I know I shouldn't for my own mental health, but I kind of want to. 
because I think it needs to be written. But so there's a lot, a lot to do. There's just not a lot going on. Yeah, and that's yes, and that is that is an important clarification. This is by no means like the dead time for the newsletter or for us here. We're talking about stuff every night. We got a show. Obviously, we're going to give you a little bit of Chiefs. It's we're here to talk about Chiefs stuff, Uh, and this is a good time to look around. There's just not new players being added into the mix at the moment, so it's kind of a unique time. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's this is the time where you can really, you know, swallow before you're about to talk. So it takes a second, like what I just did. (laughs) Uh, It's also the time where you really can kind of look at things more specific to give you a better idea about the big picture. Mm. And that's, that's the goal for me with a lot of stuff I do this time of year. It's not necessarily actionable information, although as fans, none of this is actionable information. Uh, we but don't get to feels, make any of the draft picks. We can right, try. But it feels game. more actionable right. before the draft, right? It feels more actionable during free agency. Like how good Legereus Sneed is feels more actionable at that point because that means we need to draft a corner. But it's, it's not like it's actually more actionable. What it does do, I think, and I try to pick players for this, it sets the stage for next season. Mm. So that's why Legereus Sneed was an obvious starting point. Um, and that's who people voted for, by the way, because I do polls sometimes for that. And there, it lets you kind of okay. We this is this is our transition phase to 2022. So I'm excited for it, but it definitely is. It's not for everyone. Um, not everyone. Now everyone should listen, but not everyone does listen. Not everyone listening does. right. Everyone listening right now. It's it probably for, for yeah. yeah. This is for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are someone that's like, oh, you charted every snap of six games by Legarius Need. I'm here for that. You know, you yes. you're you're gonna look at Jody Fortson's. 100 or so snaps to make a decision about what he can do, which I already kind of did last year, but I'd really like to do it again because I like Jody Fortson. I think the potential's there. But this is for you. You are like the the person who probably needs another hobby and is too proud to go get one, <laughs> just like me. And that's why I, I just identify with people that are here for this time of year. I would say particularly, even if you do get another hobby, just let it be one that you can listen to podcasts and radio shows during. Like that, to me, would be my suggestion, just in terms of finding another thing you do with your free time, or just just keep reading and listening. Um, there, there is one thing, because you mentioned you mentioned at the beginning here, you mentioned the mailbag, and there's this mailbag that's up on the newsletter right now, uh, celebrating the two year uh, anniversary of the newsletter. We talked about that some last week, but. This is this is another one of these things. I don't know if I've mentioned this on today's show or not. The newsletter is $12 for a year. You sign up at mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money, all lowercase, all one word. And you can get the newsletter for $12 for a year. Yeah, a year of access, 12 bucks. That rate never hikes or anything. It just stays at $12 for as long as you stay subscribed. And sometimes Seth says, hey, I'm going to do a mailbag. Now, whenever I say, hey, we're going to do a mailbag, it's please send me, you know, a bunch of tweets and questions and whatever. And then in either in AES or in Times Ours or I've done a a couple on Arrowhead Report, whatever, you know. But that means I'll pick my five to ten favorites that I think are really fun or really good questions. We'll get to as many as we can in that space and time. Seth, how many questions did you answer? Um, Approximately 210. This I mean, it. it might be a this little less. No, no, Seth. What do we do? <laughs> Seth, you have a family. 
I do. You have, you have a real job, and then you I have the, you have the parts of this that are a real job to you, and then you're also just absolutely grinding tape in the comment section. Look, here's the thing, dear listeners, because I imagine that most people listening now are subscribers to the Chief of the North newsletter, as they should be. And what I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting in my sales pitch for your newsletter. Because me just berating you and telling you you're not charging enough and you're spending too much time on things you're not getting paid enough for, that clearly that for two years that has not worked. So let me say this, audience. This man works too hard for you to not give him your $12 annually. This is too good of customer service for you to just go, no, I, that's not worth my $1 per month. And every time there is another incident involving Seth giving away too much for too little, it ages one year on my bio, on my like my my it's my biological clock, but I think that's often with like I, it's not like I need to have kids. It it adds a year of mileage to my my heart and my brain, and so whenever I go, Seth, just know it's going to be your fault. I <laughs> it'll be unintentional, but but yeah, I not I, but I, now, I, but I'll, you can't I'll, but I'll, now I'll, you can't you can't feign ignorance now because I've warned you I've told you ahead of time. It's just. You know what? I actually am starting to take some heat from you. you know, some of you, I'm sure, who listen are subscribers, probably people who participated in the mailbag. And that actually was kind of one of the running things. Like, Seth, you don't charge enough. And here's what I'll tell everyone. I appreciate it. I genuinely do. I promise the mailbag's doing well. Uh, not the mailbag, the website itself. I, I think it's going well. I'm I'm happy with the progress we've made. And so I promise, I promise, promise, promise... That as much as I'd love to say it's just out of the goodness of my heart, and I do hate the idea of anyone not being able to subscribe, and have I given away probably a dozen or two dozen free subscriptions to people who said they couldn't afford the $12? Yes, probably. But I also I also have business reasons for doing it. So I swear it's not just to drive Josh crazy or you crazy, and maybe maybe I'll change the price point at some point. Maybe. But if you, hey, if you lock it in now, it's not going anywhere. I can promise it's, you that. Seth's not going to regain right. that rug out from under you. No, that will never happen. You subscribe now at the bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. That's the $12 a year. That'll never raise. You could be subscribing 10 years from now and it'll still be 12 bucks. And that'll be when 12 bucks is worth approximately a nickel or whatever it is. <laughs> or, th- yeah, yeah, be, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that, this, that all of a sudden you're going to be paying money to put this newsletter out there. So anyway, last plug for now. If you want to go support the newsletter and go try to help all of Seth's 500 kids stop having to dress like Oliver Twist, um, you can do that at uh, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the Legereus Sneed thing because we did talk about Orlando Brown some last time, and I'm sure we'll talk about him some here again today, certainly, and just in a little bit. But that's the fresh piece up out on the newsletter is taking a closer look at, at what makes sense for the Chiefs to do for Orlando Brown, and, and we'll, we'll circle back around there for sure. But I love talking about Legereus Sneed. I, I love watching Legereus Sneed, but I also do wonder if he has occupied a little bit of a funny space for the Chiefs where he has, he has had a little bit of perhaps perhaps a little overhyped to perhaps a little underrated to perhaps um, not nationally all that well known to occasionally getting like a glimpse of uh, national radar. I can't remember who, somebody gave him like a very large scale, it might have just been Tyron Matthew mentioning it after a game or something last year. I, I just, mm-hmm. I've kind of seen some some um, fluctuation perhaps on people on how people view LeJarius Sneed and, and I'm, I'm wondering how we should be looking at him. Sure. 
And you know, the the interesting thing with all that, you know, underrated, overrated stuff is that regardless of how someone's viewed him in that spectrum over the last year, they probably were, were right mm. at a certain point. Um, so what I did is I, I looked at six different games uh, over the course of the entire year, starting you know, with week one against Cleveland, sprinkling in some in the middle, and then going with Buffalo and Cincinnati, which has the, the side benefit of seeing him against really talented wide receiver groups. Um, and so the thing with Legereus Sneed that I would say is he doesn't look like a terribly different player on tape in year two than he did in year one, which is not really a compliment because ideally when you show out as a rookie, as the mental aspect of the game comes to you, you should take a step forward. And I'm not sure that he really did. That's the bad news. The good news with him is that he was already good as a rookie, which is unusual. And the variance in cornerback play is unbelievable year to year. Everyone but the most elite corners varies in their performances year to year and week to week. Um, so that's just, and even the elite guys really have down years. It's just, that's just tough. Like not everyone, there's, there's, there's only one Darrell Revis. You know what I mean? Like that's just, there's not a lot of guys like that. With Sneed, I think what we started to see in year two was a more, um, you got a much larger sample size on them. You had teams that had tape on them, knew how to attack them, knew how they couldn't attack them. And I think you got a larger look at his skill set. And so I think there's a lot to like about Snead. Um, but we saw some of the things that he's going to need to work on if he really wants to hit that level beyond solid, right? Like consistently solid corner has a good skill set, but he does have some weaknesses to his game. And I think if I were to sum them up, the biggest one would be anticipation. He doesn't necessarily feel routes and route combinations in a way that shows up on film and that at time leaves him out of position, whether it's as a zone defender or when he's trying to feel breaks because he doesn't have incredible start-stop, like quickness, change of direction. Even though he's got good acceleration, he's got good athleticism, and he's actually got pretty good feet, but he can get left behind due in part to his lack of anticipation and his lack of really feeling the routes if he's not uh, hands-on and feels them, literally physically feels the route changing, he can get get beaten by, you know, quick inside moves, that sort of stuff. Similar to Charvarius Ward. Mm. It, it, was a, it was a trait that he shared. So, but on the plus side, he's got good speed. He's got good acceleration. He's got really good physicality, really strong, good length, can really mess up routes of receivers. And so he is, he's, he's an above replacement value corner. It's just whether or not you're going to see that mental step, take a step forward in, in year three. Do you think – because, again, every time we talk about corners, we talk about how, how not only how difficult it is to maintain that level of production, but how difficult it is to maintain a good level of evaluation of a corner. Right. Like, that, that, there are a couple of inexact sciences there. And I, I think that the, the – um, I had to find the phrasing again in the article, the, um, the coverage equivalent of Traverius Ward with improved physicality, which you could say, hey, if, if you hit that – that's a that is a very 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 valuable player. That was true Absolutely. before Traverius Ward signed the nice free agency deal. Um, but but Legarius needed hitting the market it, it, with that in his pocket would probably be worth even more than Ward was. Uh, but but whenever you kind of have to to do that math of what is predictive and and what is consistent and that specific sort of 
anticipatory issue. I don't know if that's something that does make sense to get better at as you get through more film, or if that's something that you're kind of born with the feel for or not that, that wouldn't develop later in your career. Do you have a feeling one way or the other? I think that that kind of anticipation and, and route recognition is something that should improve. Whether or not you ever become someone with the, the – you and I have talked more and more over the last few years about almost like mental talent. Mm-hmm. In terms of like speed of recognition and reflexes, um, and Sneed, I, he does do some things that make me think he's got good reflexes, like in terms of recognizing the ball coming in, adjusting his body, that sort of stuff. But sometimes, you know, some running backs, there's no matter how much you study, right, you are always going to be someone that doesn't recognize where the hole's developing, where the blockers are developing, quite as fast as you know the next guy is. You know, you don't have that. People think it's like some kind of sixth sense, right? Where these guys, like, how are they anticipating that? It's like, well, they just, they are just a tenth of a second faster in reading and reacting, which is something like the best linebackers have, all, all these players. That's part of talent that we don't talk about as much because we can't see it. Uh, and there's a limit for everyone how fast they can see things and react to them. So I don't know. So it's kind of a yes and no. It's something you should be able to recognize more. And because of that, you'll guess right more often. And so that weakness will be a problem a smaller percentage of the time because you'll guess right more. You'll, 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 you'll see it coming more often. But anytime you're still put in that position, it's still going to be a problem. I'm guessing that'll be it with him because I just think there's a limit to what people can do. That said, the, the Ward comparison, I think, and I mean, I said it, so I'm praising myself right now, I guess. <laughs> I do think it's a good one in terms of understanding that when you have a particular skill set that you do well, that still makes you a significant plus player at the position. Um, and he does have quicker feet than Ward, so I anticipate him being able to have that be less problematic than it was for Ward. And again, Ward's a good corner. So his ceiling, even if, let's say, he never gets any faster at that stuff, because he's got quicker feet, because he's got better physicality, his ceiling is higher. Maybe just not as much higher as we'd like, right? Mm-hmm. And that mean, that makes him a really valuable player. The other thing is what I'd really like to see is do they finally this year, because that, that weakness in terms of having some issues at times when he's not able to see the play develop in front of him and can't stay in contact with the receiver, that's exacerbated by playing in the slot. I'd be curious what it would look like if they just let him be a boundary receiver full time and really use his physicality consistently. I think you'd see him take another notch upwards there. And so that's something that I'm curious what they do with him this year. You're you're a really good guest to have on the show because sometimes I can just like float out a question and then I know you're going to hit like every angle of it for like a four minute stretch and it just makes <laughs> doing radio easy. But also, also, that's not like a compliment. It was only the beginning of an insult. Sometimes, and I would say, I would say three or four times per segment. And there's nothing you should be doing differently. This is just so you know where I'm coming from. Like three or four times per per week, I'll go. Oh, here it goes. He's about to answer the question I haven't asked yet. And yep, there it is. I don't know what I'm going to ask next. I have to go find something else because, like, I'm just sitting here with the second to last. Pa- I wish I could send you a screen cap. I have the second paragraph, second to last paragraph of this film review highlighted because I wanted to make a point. I have it physically highlighted on my screen. was the idea that maybe you have this idea that Legereus Sneed would be better off if he wasn't in that 
that Swiss Army knife plays all over the field role. And, and I, you know, Seth, I'm not even sure I agree with your, your concept here. Why would him playing more consistently in one spot make him a better player? But then you already kind of answered that. So um, I guess we can talk about Orlando Brown now. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Well, I'll, I'll actually, what you could have done. I'm you know going what to make you still talk about that, but for the, sure. for the record. I, wanted, I do want to dig in more there because I think that that's a very unique takeaway. Right. What, what should I have done differently? Also fix my hosting. You can challenge, and you could say, but Seth, you know, with his physical ability against the run and mm. the fact that he's a really gifted blitzer, and he is, doesn't that take away some of his unique skill sets as well? We are so close to me not even having to be here for these segments anymore. <laughs> if I could just get you to sell your own newsletter subscription to people, I would become irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Well, that's why people loved the Chief in the North podcast. I did your job and my job. And yes. And just talked. For and it was people's an favorite version of you. I think it was, honestly. People say that to me, and I'm like, really? Because like, I, I really rather would talk to Josh or talk to Ryan or talk to Nate. Like, it's Imagine how that makes the three of us feel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, Seth, I love your work with those with those three bleep. Every now the and then those other guys. The pod. Yeah. Every now and then those other guys, they talk. And... It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you thought about Have you thought about manually editing all of the shows that you do and just cutting out the other people and just replaying the parts that are your voice? Thanks just for, just thanks for thanks for selling me this newsletter for one dollar a month. <laughs> How did you know what some of the comments in the mailbag were? <laughs> I'm just guessing. No, I'm just I'm just in there. I'm I am in there um, as like Sashua Drisco. And just been like, man, this is fun, but I really don't think that Chief of the North podcast was very good. Feels like you need a slightly younger, uh, vibrant host type to really keep you moving. I agree. I I like to try, but uh, anyway, please please do. Even now that I'm done complaining, which is really what all of this was about. Please sure. please do give me because you you touched on it with the running play, the, the the run defense ability, and especially look. We, I know you mentioned this on Times Are, so I'm coming in with a little bit of background info beyond the story, even. But like, I love talking about Legarius Sneed blitzing. I know it's not the most important job a cornerback can do. I just think it's fun, and so I can't help like I can't help but root for it. Um, but but what's the what are the pro cons on that? And and also like, do you legitimately think that's something that Steve Spagnuolo would do here and say, hey? Uh, do you think do you think Spags agrees with that takeaway of we can maximize you by kind of keeping your feet more in one spot? Not literally, of course. <laughs> right. That right. would be very bad for his development. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wonder, like, I mean, because Spags might see something in practice that makes him think, no, this is a young guy thing. We can coach this out of him. Sure. And you know, if that's the case, I mean, that's that's hey, fair enough, um, because he does have value in the slot with run defense. Although, I mean, boundary guys have value in run defense as well, because sure. one of the goals in, in the run game and, and, you know, the quick throw game is to force corners to tackle. And when your corners can tackle, it's an advantage because it cuts down on plays that make sense. And anytime you can narrow options for an offense, that's helpful. But him blitzing from the slot, he's, he's good at it. I mean, it's not just that he's a fast guy. He's got a good bend. He, he's good at kind of, liquiding his way around blockers. Um, he's, he's got kind of that, that easy bounce that not all corners have, and he's willing to absorb a little contact while moving through blocks. Mm. So he can do that, and not everyone can do that. Um, that was my phone reminding me that I have radio with you. Um, oh, awesome. So, well, look so at that. Thank, yeah, thank God it's here. Um, <laughs> and so I had to remind myself a little bit ago that you were doing radio with me and not just by yourself. <laughs> 
the the other side of things also is Spagnolo loves to blitz guys out of the slot. And so that's probably, I mean, that was part of his defense with the Giants. It was part of his defense with the Rams. And it's been part of his defense with the Chiefs. And so I don't think you can assume that that's going to go away. Mm-hmm. The question is just whether or not it's something that Snead has to do. Like, and, and then you just make these value judgments. What if Snead is is 10% better in coverage on the boundary and you get a 10% reduction in blitzing from the slot? Well, just by sheer volume of plays alone, it makes sense to move him to the boundary. Also, there's another dude in town now who is a little bit quicker, has a little bit better change of direction, lined up all over his defense in college named Trent McDuffie, mm-hmm. who, with his size profile, might be better off in the slot. And who also is a very physical player who I think could be a good blitzer. So you have him who can do that. You also have, you know, Brian Cook can do that, right? You you have you have other guys on the defense. I think we're relying a lot on rookies, as you can hear. But, I mean, Justin Reed can blitz from the slot. Sure. Juan Thornhill can do it. I mean, I, I prefer they keep Juan Thornhill on the back end of the defense. but that's I just right. wanted them to keep Juan Thornhill on the field. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be ducky? Um, so like, to me, I do think it's something that you can get good blitzing from other spots, whereas good boundary corner coverage and the ability, it looks to me like the more narrow Sneed's responsibilities are, the better he plays. I just don't think he has used, you know, the Swiss army. And I think, I don't think that's him. I think that's a hard role to fill on the defense. Tyron Matthew was able to do it because he's a unique player. Not everyone can do all of those things without being a little bit worse at all of those things. So I'd move him to the boundary and figure it out with other guys. Do you, does that impact what you're doing with McDuffie just like as a rookie? Do you have a do you have a feel for that? I you know what? It's impossible it, to say. You know, it's very early. Yeah, since it's so early. Yeah. Um I think McDuffie, I mean he's a guy who played all over in college. I think he's comfortable utilizing the boundary, but I you know, so if you just because you put him in the slot doesn't mean that he doesn't play in the boundary as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something you and I have been chatting with people about for years. Like when Kendall Fuller and everyone, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, he got demoted. It's like, no, he's still playing 100% of the snaps. He's just moving inside when they've got three corners. Yep. And in some ways that makes him more valuable because not everyone. Bashad Breeland couldn't play slot. Yep. He, yep. he was a boundary guy. Charvarius Ward, boundary guy. And so... I I do think that a lot's going to depend on if they think Trent McDuffie can do it. Yeah. And that's a big ask for a rookie. But, you know, maybe that's why you trade up for a guy. Yeah. yeah. And and Rashad Fenton being there with, with the skill set that has seen him play in and out. It's just an interesting group that mercifully will give us more to talk about the rest of the offseason. So we can leave more of it to that. If you want to get more on Snead in particular, go check out the article up in the newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, which is also where you can read your latest piece on Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, we talked a little bit about like some kind of rehashing some of your takeaways from your film review of him that I think you published in like February. Um, you've got links to that <laughs> and a little summary of that in this story as well. Um, but this is specifically kind of looking through this lens of hey he's under the franchise tag they have less than a month now to decide if a long-term deal is getting done or not um obviously i think it's the biggest like debatable question currently around the chiefs and uh, i'm i'm curious where you even started going in here um because there's the cap elements there's him as a player there's where the chiefs stand right now Uh, so so what caught your eye the most entering the this particular fray well, you know, any time for me, one of the advantages to being a Chiefs fan is I talk to other Chiefs fans a lot. And 
So you hear a lot of people arguing things on both sides. And some things I don't think both sides have valid points. Sometimes I write about that just to be like, why this side doesn't have a valid point. Um, but other times when you hear a debate where you have someone say to you, when you go in thinking one thing, like after I did this film review, I was like, yeah, they got to extend them long term. And then you have people make some other points to you and you're like, huh, that makes sense. I could talk me out of that. That's when you realize maybe you've got a situation that you need to really examine both sides And so it just seems like something to really try to address every side of things and every issue related to both sides, as opposed to just kind of doing these, you know, like kind of 20,000 feet in the air. Oh, I guess this, like really delving into why both sides think what they think. I think there's a lot of value in that in football and in most things where you, okay, why does this person believe the thing they say they believe? Is it just because they're an idiot? Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that's why I believe some of the things I believe. Or do they have some reasons that taken piecemeal kind of make sense, but altogether don't formulate a logical conclusion? Then you can talk to them about the conclusion aspect as opposed to the, the premises aspect, right? You know, a little critical thinking type stuff. And that's how I like to approach things. And with, with Brown, I think it's important to really understand why each side does make sense in a lot of ways. Because then we could go to the third part of the article, which was, okay, well, what would I do? Like yeah. what makes sense for Brett Feach? So you've got your your offered contract number with some of the details of what goes into it. And again, look, I I'm not just this is not just a redirect. Please again go check out the newsletter. You don't want me to try to explain the over the cap uh, screenshot of all of these numbers. You won't. It's it'll be incomprehensible over the radio, but it, it makes a lot of sense. To look at the table here, um, and then I'll just <laughs> if you don't mind, I'll I'll, I'll deliver the. The offer, and then also my takeaway is very different than one the one that you couched in here. But you say, hey, and this you know structure and all of this would would certainly need to be a little bit TBD. But you've got you've got the structure to it to, to some extent. Five years, hundred million dollars, fifty million guaranteed, twenty million dollars guaranteed at signing. Yep. Your your first thought is this number seems massive. My first thought is I don't think that they would sign that deal. And that right there Ooh. might be part three of our conversation. Um, but but give me give me the logic of all of that. Well, that's a number that you are comfortable with, but also maybe why it stops there. Sure. So the first thing I did is I looked at the existing tackle contracts. And so the first thing you do is you look at the average per year. There's three guys that have above $20 million per year. Everyone else is below, right? Mm-hmm. So that matters, but only to an extent because a lot of that's funny money, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's pretend. It's fake. It doesn't really matter. Like, for example, Trent Williams' contract is $138 million total value per over the cap, which is a lot of fun to look at with these. So is spot track. They do a great job. But his total guaranteed is $45 million. That's, 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 almost, that's not even a third. That's mm-hmm. closer to a fourth than, than, than a third. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do the math right now. Sorry. I start to lose <laughs> myself there. But it's somewhere between a third and a fourth. It's about a third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And so it's three-eighths, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... So a lot of that money, it's just fake. It's pretend. The last year of that contract is completely bogus. So the guaranteed money, so as you look through the NFL, a lot of these biggest contracts, so Trent Williams is 45 guaranteed. Um, uh, Bakhtari, Bakhtiari is 30 million guaranteed. Tunsil is 50 million. Ronnie Stanley, which I thought it was Staley. I feel like an idiot now. Anyway, he is uh, 70 million guaranteed. He's kind of an outlier. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got, you know, Jake Matthews, 42, Colton Miller, 42, Cam Robinson, 33. It's boring to just list numbers, but it right. matters because what you can say is what we're offering you is tied for second most guaranteed in the NFL. 
right? And then the difference between him and Stanley is that he's getting more money per year. And I think that matters because that's the dude the Ravens replaced him with. So that's one of the reasons why we get to that $20 million per year. Now, that's, that's where, so your selling point is you're getting, you're tied for second most in guaranteed money for anyone in the league. So if it's like, well, yeah, but Trent Williams gets 23 mil per year, you're only giving me 20. Sure, but we guaranteed you 5 million more than Trent Bleeping Williams, mm-hmm. who is the best of the best. Because you could turn on the tape, and this is where these negotiations can get contentious. What I would say, if I were talking to his agent, I would say, look, we love Orlando, but I mean, do you want me to turn on the tape right now of Trent? And then we'll turn on the tape of Orlando because they are not the same. Mm. And that matters. And that's one reason why, because I think you're right. I think signing that, given the way NFL contracts work, I think that might be a tough pill to swallow for Orlando Brown. I think that's less than he'd want. I'm thinking he's going to want more like probably 23 mil a year and probably something like 60 to 65 million guaranteed, if not 70. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, uh, Trent Williams, thirty-two point six percent of his uh, total guarantee of his total deal is guaranteed. So there you go, just under a third. We were we were really close. Yeah. Um, here's here's my hang up with with Brown. One of you already mentioned is the a pesky phrase tied with. I would I would I'm, I can't bet another taser bet because I'm still waiting to get that first one done. But I think I would bet something unreasonable that that there will be um, over fifty point one million dollars guaranteed. Would be my guess. Yep. Um, that that would get you to everybody but Stanley. And I think, again, with Stanley's being a little under $20 million per year, if he got a flat 20 I, I think, hey, we're, we're making you – we're giving them more guaranteed money than anyone in football except for Ronnie Stanley, but you are getting more annually than he is. I think that's a good sales pitch if you're the Chiefs. If you're the Chiefs, I would give out the, the five years, $100 million, 50 guaranteed. Yep. It, I, just I something worth noting. One, if you'd like. Yep. Just, just worth noting. If someone says there's no way that that extra hundred, the extra one million is going to matter to an NFL player, it's worth noting that Trent Williams had, gets ten thousand more per year than David Bakhtiari. Oh, that's a great. That is a great ten thousand. His that's average fantastic. per year is twenty three million ten thousand. Bakhtiari is twenty three million. That matters. And even though a lot of it's funny money, players contract levels. That is a status. That yeah. is a status, and status matters. Think about, I mean, a lot of these guys, the status matters everywhere, but particularly in your 20s, and a lot of people are in their 20s, and, I mean, that matters. Well, Being also, in- also Orlando Brown's agent, this is his first NFL contract ever. I think he would much rather have second most guaranteed money or greatest total deal, whatever, on that on that byline, rather than tied second most guaranteed money. You know, tied, right. for, tied for second with three others. I just... I just think that's I just think that's going to happen. Absolutely, um, and you might and you might end up. You, let's say you got to a place because that hundred million total value is above everyone else except Trent Williams. So that's mm-hmm. a big deal, right? It's the second largest mm-hmm. contract in the NFL. You could say that, um, but maybe if you do make it to like towards you know it is twenty three million per year, or maybe it's twenty twenty three million twenty thousand. But you play mm-hmm. around with the funny money. I could live with that. It's the guarantees that I'm really cautious about. Well, and so this is this is where I just balk a little bit it, it, as you lay this out in the story. It, it's basically a three-year heavily guaranteed deal at that point, correct? Uh, where the Chiefs could get out after three pretty easily. Yep. If if I was in Orlando Brown's, uh, you know, negotiating crew here, I would I would say, listen, 
our guy is 26 years old. We're talking about dudes in their in their late 20s or early 30s everywhere else. He's 26. I would I would think that they would have a pretty strong line that they would want to draw in the sand to at least make him very difficult to get rid of in year four at hitting mm-hmm. age 30. That just that to me because I I think the Chiefs could give him a, a fully guaranteed three year deal and I would I would feel pretty all right about all that. Um, I yep. wonder if his side would. That that for me is the hanging up point. That is such a great not, point. Not like hanging up the phone, but like the, you know, right. hung up on it. I don't think they're hanging up the phone. Right, and that's such a good point because that matters. Agents know this. They know that it's essentially a three-year deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a little bit of pain, barely any, honestly, if you structure it even remotely smart at all. You can get out of there after three years, and then you're fine. But the you know those fourth and fifth year deals are big hits you know twenty nine mil something like that twenty nine thirty mil, and here's the other thing though you know that's four years from now, when the NFL salary cap what is that going to look like in twenty twenty six yeah probably a lot bigger yeah. and so and so they might think well we want him to have the real really the option to get out if he wants because at thirty which he's twenty six right now three years from now. He is going to be 29 at this point, you know, following three years and blah, 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 blah. When he's 30, he that's his last chance as an offensive lineman probably to get a huge contract. Now, maybe not. You know, Trent Williams just landed one when he was 33. So it can happen, but it's hard. And so I, I think you might end up seeing something a little more like a fully guaranteed deal, like kind of what you laid out. That's three years because that makes sense for him to hit the market one more time. And yeah, then his yeah. agent could say, I negotiated a completely guaranteed deal. The problem is they're going to have to give a little on some things to get that. Like, And that's where Ronnie Stanley, what he gave up on was the average per year was a little lower. And so there's always this give and take with this stuff. Um, but the, the, the one thing to, to go back to is it's a little lower number than I think they would be happy with. And I'd always be comfortable to kind of play around with things a little bit. Sure, sure. But the big thing that the Chiefs need to face here is when you look at this list of the most highly paid tackles, or if you look at like a list of like pro football focuses, you know, who they view the top 20 guys to be or so, there are at least eight. So like when I wrote about this, and I don't know if you want to dive into it, I'm doing that thing again where I'm like leading (laughs) you, you know, I'm, I'm leading it away. But I mean, there are a lot of guys that I would say are definitively better players. Not a ton, but enough that are definitively, when healthy, better players than Brown as of right now. Well, so here's this is this is a little bit on that line, and also we've gone long already, and so I don't I don't want to keep you for as long as I would need to to get to the bottom of this fully. But whenever we talk about like Kirk Cousins, right? Okay, just or or your or Derek Carr or a quarterback that is like clearly better than your bottom third quarterback, but clearly worse than your top third guy, right? Or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Whenever you talk about, are you going to pay or let that guy walk? I feel like we have pretty clear um, terms around that. Where you say, hey, we're going to let Kirk Cousins go because we're either going to go draft a quarterback and try to make it work on a rookie deal, or we think we're going to go land Tom Brady somehow, right? Like you kind of have options, but you know we got to either improve or get cheaper or something. Right. What do the Chiefs do if Orlando Brown maybe maybe he sits out this season? Maybe he plays under the franchise tag this year and then moves goes elsewhere next off season. But right. where, what is the what are the Chiefs' other options here? Because that that is the one thing for me where I find myself being pretty ready to. I had to we had to get a new washing machine 
not brand new. We're on Facebook Marketplace and stuff. You know, I'm not getting I'm not getting hosed by uh, by those new washer prices just yet. <laughs> but at some point, I tried to I tried to fix my the, the old washer. I ordered a different part. I really took it apart, and I I I was like able to. I now know what a washing machine looks like on the inside pretty confidently. Mm-hmm. Felt pretty good about myself. That's awesome. But I didn't have enough parts to fix it and make it work. I would have probably spent two hundred dollars on five different parts and God knows how many injuries and hours. So yesterday. We had found somebody that could could deliver to the house, and so I just said, "All right, here's your two hundred bucks. We need a new washing machine because the basement smells like wet clothes." <laughs> I am I am wondering if the Chiefs aren't going to just have to pay for the new machine here because the alternative is I don't know that they have enough pieces to put a a, a well working washing machine back together. And that's um, and that's what what Brown's leverage is. In, especially for 2022, because we're talking 2023, you know, the Chiefs have, they've got draft capital. Mm-hmm. They can trade for a guy. They can trade up in the draft to grab a guy. They've got a very good offensive line coach in Andy Heck. So, I mean, they could figure it out. It would just, it would force, it would set them back in team building, right? Because they want to address other areas of need. And that's one of the reasons why you lock a guy up long-term is that way. Okay, we're going to adjust. It's a, that's why, you know, Joe Tooney, I understand the contract was bigger than than you'd like to see for a left guard, but there's something to be said for fire and forget for four years, right? Mm-hmm. You just okay. Now let's think of whatever else we need. You know, when you hit on Creed Humphrey, you hit on Trey Smith. Hey, great, we're set. Um, that that's problematic for them in that you know what do you do? Because and that's and he said he basically said as much in an interview on the NFL Network, and some people got offended by that, but he's not wrong. No. When he says this is not a year you want to go with a backup left tackle, he's absolutely correct. And that's his leverage is that they don't want to risk a year of Mahomes' prime. Mm-hmm. And that does matter. And so that's why I think I think the offer that I talk about, like this, is, this would be my, hey, I think this is the best we can do. You and me both know that in the business world, when you send your best final offer, mm-hmm. odds are you're going to have to wiggle that thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so... I think you send that deal because it's not an insultingly low deal. It's lower than they'd like, but it's still a good deal. And you can sell it as this is the second highest tackle contract in the league. It's it's triple figures or nine figures, right? And it's also, you know, you take off this, this, this. I think your idea of adding like 100,000, you know, 50.1 guaranteed, it's the second most guaranteed. You know what I mean? Like yeah, all I think those that's things. just a lock. I just think that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, I, I think the 50.1, I don't know why that didn't even occur to me. But 50.1 is the second most guaranteed money in the league beyond only Stanley. And you're getting more money per year than he is. He didn't get no $100 million contract. Yep. That's the sell. And then when they come back and say, well, we want. Then you, you know, we want X by making it a fair offer initially, you can live with yourself walking away if what they come back with is, no, we want 24 mil per year and we want 75 million guaranteed. Right. And then you're like, okay, we we can't do that because at the end of the day, Orlando Brown is not, it's not just that he's not the best left tackle in the league. It's that he's not the second best or the third best or the fourth best either. Um, I would say when I look at the list of, of NFL tackles, and this is one of the things I did, I'm not going to name every name, but I, I listed out 16 guys in the article, and I said eight of them are unquestionably better players when they're healthy. Mm. That's a lot. And mm-hmm. then you've got eight other guys where it's at least a conversation whether they're as good or better. That's a lot of names to put in front of someone to give them a t- absolute top-of-the-market deal. And that's why I think if you're the Chiefs, 
you have to try to avoid that because paying good players elite money can be very problematic. Now, where do you factor in how durable he's been and how young he is? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, and so that's those things go in his favor. But really, I, I think I would hesitate to really go top of market. Well, listen, you wouldn't have to hesitate on the uh, the PayPal login for the Chief of the North newsletter because you can get a year of that for literally $12. Not a month, a full year at uh, mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. That'll take you straight to the page. You can celebrate two years of the Chief of the North newsletter there as well. Also, you can follow Seth on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. And uh, he'll probably do another mailbag at some point where he will take years of his life to answer every single question because uh, he's just about he's just about getting out there with the fans you know just about getting down there to that comment section getting his hands dirty and answering some things so it's fun i mean you I, you next time you should literally get like a miner's helmet with a light on the front and just like live stream the whole process <laughs> i don't even know what to say with that that's awesome thanks for being here <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. All right, we're doing this show live from the bottom of a swimming pool. And, uh, oh, man, the chlorine levels are perfect in here. I'm Joshua Briscoe. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks again to Seth Kaiser of the Chief of the North Newsletter, The Athletic, and the Times Ours podcast for joining us as he does just about every Tuesday. It's always a blast, uh, and I, I really think we got somewhere on the Orlando Brown front. It just needed a comparison to my uh, laundry machine experience to really land all of that. Also, this Seth Kaiser Tuesday is the AES one and done of the week. Uh, tomorrow night, you'll have Sporting Kansas City in the U.S. Open Cup tomorrow here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Then the N. NBA draft is on Thursday, and then Game 5 of the NHL Stanley Cup Final will be on the air on Friday. You want to hear Game 4 of the Final, that'll be on uh, ESPN Kansas City tomorrow night over on 1510 AM, 94.5 FM. But yes, just the one AES, and with the NBA draft just around the corner, it makes it a, a very, very big day for a whole lot of um, of collegiate athletes making their way to the professional ranks. Obviously, we're expecting to hear Ochai Agbaji and Christian Brown both named at some point. Um, her, hopefully for both of them early-ish in the first round for, for Ochai Agbaji um, and then in the first round for Christian Brown would be great but everybody who's going to be there uh, in the green room or waiting to be drafted to, across the two rounds of the draft Thursday night obviously it's a big day so they are the ones who get the ring presented by Ruback Fine Jewelry I can't promise that every single draft pick in this year's draft will eventually win a championship in the NBA in fact it's very unlikely that that will happen but if they need a secure ring of their own or maybe if you dear listener are looking to add a little bit of big time jewelry to your uh, to your Rolodex if you will I cannot recommend Ruback Fine Jewelry highly enough that's where I went when it was time to get uh, to get my my championship ring, if you will. Uh, in fact, fiance Renee and I finally set our wedding date today. We, um, you know, had the ring and engagement New Year's Day 
So, you know, we've had some busy, we've had some busy times, but for me, one of the things that I was most stressed about and that I was most uncertain about, and also that I needed to handle for myself, right? We got Renee in on the process, but, but I, I needed to get all that going with the engagement ring and, and I did not know where to start, which is why I feel like it was a true blessing to end up at Ruback Fine Jewelry. They've been serving Kansas City for more than a hundred years. And if you go to Ruback, you're going to get to talk to Hal. Hal has decades of experience in the fine jewelry industry, and he has a wealth of knowledge uh, that, that will make your whole experience so much better because you'll bring ideas to the table. For me, I brought ideas and then I brought Renee along one time and she brought her ideas and her and Hal like had a text thread for a while and ultimately the end result is an incredibly beautiful ring uh, that we just could not be happier with. I'm just just absolutely thrilled and I've I have told people on air, off air, real life, over the air um, that, that I just I would recommend Ruback with every fiber of my being if you're looking for an engagement ring or really an anytime ring if you want to add uh, some, some jewelry to somebody's finger um, or even just non-rings. They even got some beautiful necklaces and stuff there that I saw when we were doing the uh, custom engagement ring process. But if you're looking for a ring, I, I, I urge you to go give Ruback and go give Hal a shot. You want to book your appointment, you can do that at ruback.co. That's R-U-B-A-C-K dot C-O. If you want to go for a custom ring, that can also mean customizing your budget. You want to get the absolute best in the business, that means how. You want to get all of that to come together in a way that will be perfect for you and your significant other, no matter the occasion, that means Ruback Fine Jewelry. So go check them out at Ruback, R-U-B-A-C-K dot C-O, and go set up your appointment online today. You set up your appointment online, you can go in person. Sort of the magic of how all that works. Thanks for listening to tonight's show. Thanks to David Lesky and Seth Kaiser for joining us. We'll be back sometime next week. Enjoy all the sports this week. And until then, bye, Mom. 